Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And Allison Kay is joining us from Florida. And Allison and I have been speaking off and on now for probably about a month. And she is a number one uh, bestseller, as you can see by the slide, international bestseller. Uh, and she's got a new book out called The Dragon Master Creatix. Creatix. Um, so Allison, good day to you. How are you doing? Good day, sir. Greg, and making you a sir. I'm anointing you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. I appreciate that. You know, and we are, we're looking forward to having you on the show and you speaking about your new book, but really a lot about yourself. And because yeah. you, you have an interesting background, I'm going to tell the listeners a little bit, but I'm going to ask you a first question here after I say a tad bit about you. Um, because Allison is considered one of the leading experts on using the chakra system as the roadmap for thriving in mind, body, and spirit, applying in a unique way. In 2013, she authored her award-winning book, What If There's Nothing Wrong? And in 2016, released her number one international best-selling book, Vibrational Upgrade, uh, A Conspiracy for Your Bliss, Easing Humanity's Evolutionary Transition, which is among the many products that she offers. She is prolific. And <laughs> Allison, you know, that brings me to kind of when I was reading this book, all this kind of dialogue back and forth between your students, of which you have lots of students. And it's a very interesting way in which you approached the book. Um, and you said right up, well, it's for female, but it's also for male too, you know. Um, but I say, you know, you were in this a group of people in Los Angeles with a Zen teacher. And he made some derogatory remark about uh, that females aren't going to become enlightened um, if they didn't come to these classes and so on. And I think this was one of the things that really kind of inspired you. So I wanted you to tell our listeners a little bit about the story because your journey in spiritualism has been very, very long and your journey to get where you are today, and you're continually still learning. So tell our listeners a bit about it. Well, um, I'm going to surprise you a little bit here in that the first, that introduction that you're quoting that story from, that was actually one of my students, um, written by one of my students. So that experience in LA wasn't mine. Oh, it was hers. See, there you go. Because the book goes back and forth where you're answering the question. So Okay, she had that experience. All right, got it, got it. Yeah, and, and so when I was looking at this first question, I, I was feeling from you ahead of time. There's so many key points, Greg, and you have such vast experience yourself with some of the most respected teachers of mine early on. So how I'd like to answer this question for who I feel like is your audience is I grew up always connected out in the woods with my brother after school. I always felt connected to the greater field of life through nature, but then beyond that. And so fast forward to college time, I was tracked to go to an Ivy League and I, on an intuitive hit, went to the university in what's called the Happy Valley in the Amherst Mass and found out that I wanted to go there. I just listened to my intuition. And within my first year there, I realized that there was a Buddhist pagoda there hidden out in the mountains. And when I went there on a weekend day with some of my friends, 
that freshman year, I had this resonance. And um, let's now fast forward to moving to San Francisco for my master's. And I ended up working in the field of politics as a campaign organizer and manager for protecting the environment. So we would work to get conservation-minded folks into office that are geared towards writing legislation to protect the environment and had a lot mm -hmm. of success. And it was a really intense campaign year, it was 92. And so I was being put in key because of that success, uh, I was put in key races. And so that stress got me tight and I know not to live that way. So I was walking through a bookstore in San Francisco, which is where I lived and a purple book jumped off the shelf at me about meditation. Mm -hmm. Literally, I didn't walk any further. It was on the floor in front of me as if it had a life force of its own jumping. So I picked it up and literally picked up meditation ever since then. And it was so natural of a fit for me that while this could seem really bold, I ended up teaching it within a year. So now fast forward, um, after the campaign season was over, I backpacked right. overseas. It wasn't my first time traveling internationally. I came back, got a master's in public administration and public policy teaching meditation to adults at that time and then learning and still meditating. And once I graduated with my master's, I got my first energy medicine modality training. Mm -hmm. And now I'm coupling energy medicine with meditation. And this comes, becomes important later. So fast forward now, I went for job placement with my master's and either they were underpaid or I was overqualified or I was underqualified for the positions I wanted, whether within the system in governmental agencies or outside of the system in nonprofits. So I ended up relying on my bachelor's which had been in English literature and I went into the classroom. And at that same time, Gore stepped down from political work and started traveling with an inconvenient truth. So right. I was I was aligned with that sense that the machinery was just too strong at that time. It wasn't ready to yield. So how do we get change? Well, one consciousness at a time. So I go into the classroom, I'm teaching English, English lit and meditation to the students now. And on the side, I'm doing wellness sessions and energy medicine sessions. And in one of my first sessions, I asked the question, what, how do I get more robust results? Uh, they were getting great results and I wanted more, faster, quicker with that right. American thinking and at the same time too greg i was at, i remember on a saturday morning balancing my checkbook back then before everything was digital i had gone digital and everybody else had um and i wasn't pleased with how tight it was with a master's degree and i only had basic needs you know basic transport organic produce massage a week for sure but basic housing nothing luxurious so i couldn't make ends meet easily with a little bit of a student loan to pay back and that wasn't okay with me. And I had this sense I was in a cage and I, that wasn't okay with me. And I, I had a sense there wasn't this ability to pick up and have adventure in my life. And I knew that that wasn't okay for me. There was something bigger for me. So I said, okay, what else is possible? Ultimately, international school system comes into my purview. I go, I interview, get job offers around the planet. And I chose to go to Asia, seeing that as the answer in my intuitive request to the universe, how do I speed up the results? for my clients in these energy medicine and holistic wellness sessions, because that's the seed of understanding energy and they're still living from those understandings. It's not like here in the West where alchemy was cut off and buried into the mystery schools. 
it's still running how they organize their societies today. India to a, a lesser degree, I find, than the traditional Chinese. So I'm teaching and being an administrator in the international school system in Asia for 10 years. And I'm every weekend going and doing research, whether it's with reflexology or in how energy flows, I'm going to the Buddhist monasteries and I'm talking to monks or I'm doing research in to Buddhism itself. And, and so I learned to teach Qigong. I went to India, got certified on a break in between semesters uh, for yoga teacher training and meditation and ultimately came back in 2010 with the mission and the understanding, man, in the West, we don't have these monks in robes riding their scooters or as a son <laughs> Bangkok, like at the subway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we don't have these, we don't have these reminders. For me, the way it worked as a Westerner was that they functioned just even symbolically as a reminder of go within in the basic Buddhist premise that every human mind is neurotic. Here is a tool, i.e. meditation, with which to work with your own particular flavor of neuroses. Right. I feel like the suffering I was seeing in the West is, and this relates to the human potential movement, I, I, I feel like there's such a level of suffering in the West that's unnecessary because it seems like we run from the crazy. And the assumption is that if I go into and look at what is behind my thoughts, I'm gonna find stuff that's uncomfortable, like the boogeyman or the monster under the bed. And so we're very outward, externally focused, and there's so much more. It's like you're living in 1D, or even 2D without understanding how much more is available when you start to work with your consciousness and thus your subtle energy system and how the world becomes technicolor and 5D and easier. So where we're used to pushing in the West and making things happen and reaching a target and taking loads of actions, those one, two, three, four, five actions can become two when you understand how to work with your subtle energy system and your consciousness. Life isn't meant to be so hard. Well, you know, we used to say at University of Santa Monica, where I got the degree in spiritual psychology, you know, you're in, you, you would, you're in the world of making stuff up and then you're believing what you made up, right? So it, the realities that we create for ourselves can be undone with people like you. Now, obviously, through years of working in Asia and working with subtle energy and working with qigong and working with acupuncture and acupuncture and all the kind of things and the chakra system you obviously came to this point of what you now refer to as this vibrational upgrade system right or mastermind there's one of your courses and if you would speak about that because you know people who go into meditate you know, you've had this happen. They say, oh, well, I can only concentrate for 15 minutes. And then, you know, my mind, my monkey mind takes a hold and it goes here and it goes here and it goes there and it goes here. Yep. What is it that's unique about you in this vibrational kind of upgrade mastermind in the Dragon Master certification program that really helps people uh, do this? Now, in one sense, there's a dichotomy here. I'm sure you teach people how to do it more quickly. On the other hand, you're supposed to be doing this more subtly. So I want to know. I'm intrigued. Well, it's not that. I don't know where you got that axiom. It's supposed to be done more subtly. Just because I said subtle energies doesn't mean it's supposed to be done more subtly. In fact, okay. it's full Western. Now, I have students from all around the world. Like I just got done with a session with a client in the Philippines. 
Um, but the Western mind in particular, when I see it go and think about subtle energies, it doesn't really know what it means. And, and, and so one of the unique things about vibration upgrade system, Greg, and I love mm -hmm. that question, thank you for asking it, is that it's this, so I love being in the body. I love having a body. I love dancing. I love uh, rock climbing. I love walking in nature. I love being the beach. I love swimming in the ocean. I'm a personal trainer certified um, as well as the yoga teacher. I love dancing. I love hula hooping every night after. So I you're very family. physical. You're very physical. I'm in my body and the spiritual, I'm going to put in air quotes, movement isn't about going up out of the head to connect with unconditional loving sources it's about bringing it down into the body so the body thrives and acts as a collaborator and supporting us being a bridge between heaven and earth i really not teach so bringing people. it through the crown chakra into all of the other chakras right so that you can actually feel it because when you meditate i'm a member of self-realization fellowship right so the, the goal of many of these eastern and in including Asian, when you're meditating, is to bring this energy in through the body, through the crown chakra, correct? I want to make certain that I'm correct. <laughs> well, okay. There so is this, no one correct way, though. Right? Well, this is this is where I go as teacher. I know there's so much more, and, and how much do I, you're advanced, and, and so is your listening audience. So, how much do I talk about? So, yes, bottom line, that concept is correct, but not that there's so many different ways. Um, there, there is the first, so how I come to understand the 30 minute meditation process is the first 10 is where you gain the hardwiring improvements, the recall, the, the clarity, the memory, the focus, the concentration. You sustain it up for a 20 minute practice and in between minutes 10 and 20 is where the physiology then starts to shift into the more um, alpha brainwave state, more of the parasympathetic nervous system activation, more peace and calm felt in the body. By the third third, the 20 minute mark to 30 minute mark is really where it feels like it's being spiritualized. Mm -hmm. I'd agree. Yes. Cool. It's the first time I've ever talked to a fellow practitioner about that with yeah. the history of it, it seems like it takes time to go elevate to that level, right? Only because our sensory system to kind of remove the physical kind of sensory system um, takes some time to, to do that. Because if you look at it, we're so grounded most of the time, everything kind of here is in the physical. So to get to this ethereal part, you can't expect it to happen in five minutes. I mean, well, maybe with your system, it could happen in five minutes. Um, I personally have never had that happen in five minutes, but you know, Let and then, and then there's this whole concept of time anyway. I mean, the time continuum, well, I mean, we could go into all kinds of things, but you know, yes, we could. <laughs> you talk about quantum physics and the rest of the stuff. It doesn't really exist anyway. But it is a way of that we measure stuff in, in the Western world and most of the worlds, right? So I think we keep stuff sorted on the physical yes, plane. We do. We keep things sorted. You know, and then when you look at finitude, you know, and you live that ultimate, hey, um, we've had four hundred thousand plus people die from COVID. Um, many of them dying in hospital beds that are there's no one there, but there is someone there. 
there is there is a spirit there. There is an opportunity to make that connection. But you know, you state that the massive rebalancing, I like this um, where it's go with it. Matthew Fox has been on the show many times. You probably know Matthew Fox from his books. And we're talking about this rebalancing between the masculine and the feminine and the healing that needs to occur to bring them the proper proportion to define feminine is a major part of the program, okay? Um, how do you help males and females find balances? Because, you know, like, I mean, we're all sitting here. We have our first female vice president. Ooh, that's a big deal. Ooh yeah, it's, a, it's kind of a big deal. But the point is, is we've been moving away from this dominance of masculinity for some time. Uh, we're going from the Piscean to the Aquarian age now. Um, we're opening up to new things. This whole world is changing. We see it happening all the time. How do you help people kind of balance with that? Because we still see this more heavily weighted toward this masculine. And we need to figure out, I think males do in particular, how they want to deal with that. Wow, there's so much I could respond with. Let me start with um, the way that I approach it is not so much genderized until, uh -huh. it's, until it's appropriate to genderize it. So let me back up for a second. The client that I just got um, done working with, um, we've talked about this because um, she's of a certain culture and um, married to an expat from Western Europe and she's from the East. And we were talking about how, because I noticed this living in Asia, reading the newspapers, there has been female prime ministers. There's been female um, heads of state in the East and in India and in England. Mm -hmm. And we're supposed to be such an advanced country. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it ironic that, it's just, that Hillary Clinton took the beating she took when running? Right. And it's taken this long. It, there's, there's an irony there. And I've talked with my masterminds about it. So some of this is what you say for sure where it's the preference for the masculine and the masculines have always been dominant. And like women just even a hundred years ago used to be used as pawns for sale for the father to get a better ranking in class and society. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and women had no choice and no voice. So there's a lot of work I do with bringing that forward and clearing out the unconscious and subconscious conditioning and impacts of that. But I historically have, I have three brothers, no sisters, and I historically have um, a lot of men, more males than normal in my yoga classes and in my programs. I run about 40% males and 60% females, which is abnormal in, in America. And I don't, so the, the yin and the yang, so if we just think Qigong or we think Taoist philosophy of the yin yang symbol, in the black part, there's the white circle, small white mm -hmm. circle, and in mm -hmm. the white part, there's a smaller black circle. That's masculine and feminine. So the feminine is the black color and that's the seeding and that's going within and that's aspects of life like listening within, intuitive work, seeding something, giving birth to something, but holding it in the womb before the yang energy of action, outward focus, the sun movement is taken. So what we're seeing and as our world shifts from 2012 to 2032 out of like a more stable Newtonian physics-based life into the more quantum physics-based life or paradigm, things are much less stable. They're much less predictable. Mm -hmm. So part of that, I, I feel like this part of the centering that will help with that 
is understanding when to work with perceiving and intuition and gaining an idea rather than the figuring it out, figuring right. out the how, the, the, I just have to figure out the how, I have to have a plan and I have to stick with it step by step and keep like pushing against a wall if, if, if it's just not happening, just staying with it. Like that's a young, masculine, old trait we've been taught. Totally, from totally. And you know, not to interrupt you, but you know, we're in an age right now where we've seen this just rise of darkness and now light and we're we're moving out of that and what we're what we're sensing is this you know to with covid with the old administration with what was going on is this now pattern my astrologer said it just monday when i did a reading it was like you can't resist right now you have to be able to kind of stay in the flow based on where the planets are and you you can't think that you've got to do it a certain way you've actually got to allow it to move and flow. And it's about letting go. A lot of people right now do not want to let go. They're hanging on for dear life to these old patterns and old ways and old things. And you've got the vibrational upgrade system free clearing call, which is January 28th. Is it still happening at uh, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m.? So we're we're gonna put a link to that in our blog as well. So people can sign up for that. Get to Not that. quite nine to eleven. It's usually nine to ten, or if I'm in the midst of clearing somebody, and it's nine to ten thirty. Just to be clear. Okay. Well, clearing the clearing is important because for everybody now who's feeling a sense of resistance, or they're yes. concerned, or these things are things are falling by the wayside, and it isn't the way that they want it to be, and they can't understand, and they're confused, and whatever. You definitely yep. want to listen to Dr. Allison's call here. And I want to make sure that the free, the free phone call, definitely. You want to get this book as well, but you certainly want to listen to that call. So, you know, you stay there. Can I address what you said for a minute? Talking about that fear and that darkness as we go into light. And I totally hear Aquarian into Piscean age perspective. Yes, yes, yes. One of the other turning points for me with my path was when I was back here for two years and about a year and a half getting readjusted. You know, when the first time I had a client say to me, I just have to figure it out. I was at her toes doing a specific activation for the central nervous system or rebalancing. And I looked up and I had to go like layers to access the memory of being in a system, mind, body, spirit, when I say system, that would use a phrase such as I have to figure it out. It was so far removed by that point from where I had gone and what I had become and so this idea of using the mind to in, in listening to the thoughts as the primary tool is in great part of that masculine feminine rebalancing. And another great part of that masculine feminine rebalancing, I learned from about a year and a half back here about that same time I had that, oh my God, figuring it out memory come back through a client right. as I was by Voice America to have a, a show about the Mayan uh, um, galactic alignment, their predictions for December 21st, 2012. And I was doing nothing about that. I don't, I didn't know why they approached me. I didn't ask. I just said, let me call you back in 48 hours, sat with it, heard the strong like billboard size neon letters of yes. Right. And so I did it. And I learned, I interviewed scientists from my first book about subtle energies and measuring it. And then I brought on more and more experts about 
this change in times from 2012 to 2032. And part of this massive rebalancing that's happening is the masculine, as you've already said, is letting some of that dominance that where there's been abuse of power or where it's been out of balance has to come back into check. So some of the darkness is people, like you said, the fear, their ego mind is sensing change. And when the ego mind senses change, like when you're going to go do something different. Resist. Yes. So that resistance is what we've been seeing, but right. beyond that, right? So it's like the, in the state of natural healing, when I'm working with somebody, whether it's on like a brain tumor or it's a, a cancerous uh, lump in the breast or in the colon or it's back pain or it's feeling not good enough, it get, it's like a fever peaking before it breaks. It gets worse before it gets better. So what we've just come through is that. And the right. ensuing resistance is that. And just know that obviously there's two angles to this. It goes up and then it goes down. And, and what you said about going with the flow and being in the new, that is living more from an energy base instead of a mind dominant base, expecting things to be stable, reliable, predictable. Not as things come into balance. One of the things that I love quoting is a traditional Chinese medical tenant that blood goes, blood go, blood follows where chi goes. I always have to invert that because blood follows where chi goes. Yeah. So energy leads matter. Another mm -hmm. way to say that is whatever is happening in energy first shows up in matter. Another way to say that is so then therefore I work with how do I access this energy? with your consciousness. That's what moves the energy, which then moves the physical. So learning how to work with our consciousness and our subtle energy system so that we're moving energy and setting up our field to work with the nature of the times is exactly what I'm up to. And it's one of the unique parts of vibrational upgrade system. Because well, I, I like what you said, because, you know, in our listeners can relate to this. Look, it's like you've done so much body work and energy work, but when somebody has a sore muscle, any physical therapist, anybody will tell you it's a lack of blood flow, the most point. And you've got to get the energy moving back into that spot, whatever it might be. And it, it's so important what you just said. I, I, you know, I love the statement. I'm going to take it and use it. You know, <laughs> but, you know, you, what you have work with people is, you know, we see the human potential movement. All of this is really around human potential. And two weeks from now, Stephen Kotler is going to be on here and his book called The Art of Impossible. And he's into flow and he's into, you know, the endorphins that release and the chemicals in the body and how do we stay into flow and on all that kind of stuff. My point is, is you understand it as well as anybody. And that is, is that to attune this energy to its highest, to get reach the greatest level of human potential requires that you're constantly fine-tuning but even still beyond this intellectual human potential movement you say how do we teach people to access their human potential and that's what i want to ask you that comes from actually part of your book because i think people out there talk about it they just don't know how to do it yeah i i liked when i saw that this is going to be one of your questions um so it's a matter of just doing it, right? Let me give this, let me start with this way. When I first came back to the States and I was doing this with expats and local Chinese when I was still in Taiwan, silent sessions. Mm -hmm. And then 
increasingly I found myself um, giving nutritional support or herbal support, like with what I was finding in their system, what would help boost it for overall increased well-being, health, vitality, and optimal thriving. So one of my colleagues came to me and asked me a question about meditation. I was actively teaching it to the students. Um, and I realized I was coaching. Mm -hmm. So I got, so I started to bring in a talking component to what had been silent energy medicine sessions because I can get more done when I'm able to not be up here in the intellectual mind and interacting with somebody. Like I even tell my students, they ask me, I tell them this, but then they ask me after they experience it, the difference between having a person one-on-one -on -one in person on the table in front of them doing a, a session versus the distance session, like what I just came out of with the woman over in the Philippines, right? Mm -hmm. Distance sessions I have found, and, and it rocked my world, Greg. They're, ooh, sorry, it's always, I'm trying to look at you, but then I know the camera's there. Um, not having to do the niceties, the social interactions, or the meeting of somebody's total personality and presence in their body and being able to just get to the energy medicine, there is so much more affected when it's distant because that kind of fielding of the ego mind and it's nattering that's in, in, that is, gets contained within the social proprieties is wiped out when it's a distant session. So mm -hmm. yeah. there, is, there is this chatter about the mind that People, I feel like it's intellectually talked about the human potential movement. Why I give that free monthly call. It has been clear guidance from day one of being back here in the States. I've always done free calls. It's to help people feel what else is possible by running a clearing on them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like trying, and I don't usually use the word trying, trying though to explain how to reach your human potential. It feels like I... You know, if you want to know the taste of a pear, go get a pear and bite into it. Right. So I feel like the way I can now answer your question, thank you for fielding that, is that, because you get that, is through the chakra column, I have found that, like, let's just take, let's take the solar plexus chakra. I have found, like, so many people think they understand the chakras, so they may tune out when they hear the word chakra, because they think they've got it down and dismiss it, but that's the roadmap to how to reach your human potential in a way that I, I've been told only I communicate. It's a very unique perspective I have, I think, from being a personal trainer, as well as all the energy stuff, because I don't want people having to go out of their heads to connect with the angels or the divine, or I meditate in order to feel a sense of being loved. I want them to feel that sense of well-being in their body so their physiology is creating that well-being and their hormonal um, system is nurturing them instead of the thyroid out of balance, the adrenals burned out and the whole system collapses and they get on medication. So by every chakra being connected to one of the major endocrine glands, the entire endocrine gland is addressed by the, Candace Pert found that on, I'm sure you know this on the back. Oh yeah. Yeah, about the biggest gathering of nerve plexes all along the spinal column is where each of the major chakras is. So if it's an intersection, it's a wheel, Sanskrit from uh, chakra means wheel to English. And it's an intersection of mind, body, and spirit. That means I can access past life karma past lives and karma and tr so that's all spirit 
mind, unconscious, subconscious, conscious mind. So that includes condition, things like conditioning and then unconscious. That includes things like imprints from parents, imprints from society, beliefs formed along the way out of trauma. So if it's, if I can access every aspect of what creates a person to think what thoughts they do here, because 85% of our choices on a daily basis are not even heard consciously or made consciously. Right. They're all subconscious. So if I can release that subconscious where it's blocked, which I can through the chakras. So if you have a feeling like you don't deserve more success or you have to push hard or fight hard for any success you get, that's third chakra related. So if I can go in and out loud, give a clearing to people from a distance or send a distance session, then I can affect release in that third chakra. So then more of the potential, there's more consciousness circulating or chi or life force or prana. And with more consciousness circulating, now the positive aspect of the chakra, not just the block, clearing out lack of self-confidence, but the empowerment is now present with more life force flowing, with less blocked up consciousness. So more mindfulness around choices is then created. Thus, improving the ability to reach the highest level of human potential. In it. other words, you've you've linked the two together. And yes. on that mark, I just put up a slide here around self-nurturing and care. And I know how important this is. And this actually kind of goes right along with it. Because look, if the ego is driving this you're not enough story, and at the same time you're supposed to be taking care of yourself, you're usually beating yourself up, right? Yep. So you've got, on one hand... This ego saying, hey, Greg, you're not enough. Hey, Allison, you're not enough. You could do more. You could do better. You need to do this. You need to do that. And that thing, let's see, that motor runs a lot. And it's there to protect us as well. On the other hand, to really get the optimum out of our human existence, we need to practice self-nurturing and care. We also need to practice that same thing with compassion with others. So if you would, how would you advise the students to engage in self-nurturing and care and speak about it? Because I've just put up a little slide here um, about that. So it's interesting. This is it goes back to the yin-yang. So going within and taking care within, that's yin. Yang is action. So if in during your day, your busy day of being productive out there on the surface of life, creating success, is created based on your internal environment and then therefore the subtle energy field around your body. If the heart chakra, I'm pointing to my, if the heart chakra <laughs> is open, so what blocks, one of the things that blocks the heart chakra is lack of self-care, lack of self-nurturance. So self-love you could conceive is in both the heart chakra and those forms I just mentioned and you're asking about and then in the third chakra about self-confidence and self-esteem. So self-love is kind of both, but in different qualitative factors. The self-love of the heart chakra, when we don't take time to self-care or self-nurture, it closes down. Now, when the heart chakra is open, it's a magnetizing force. It has a vortex. It's spinning the vital life force energy out. It's emanating out receptivity to all of life. Mm -hmm. It's also how we magnetize to us what we desire that makes it easier for synchronicities to happen, 
that makes it easier for all of a sudden something to come into our field that helps us with something that we have been trying to figure out and forcing to make happen. So by taking care of ourselves, you're not losing, quote unquote, losing productivity by taking time out of the day. Listen to this bargain I'm making to the ego mind, Greg, right? (laughs) Yeah, you're making a bargain. Yeah. You're negotiating. You're negotiating. (laughs) (laughs) You're not losing productivity time. You can pull back from your emails and take that 10 minute walk outside in nature that opens up the heart chakra, for example. So self-love and self-care, it doesn't have to be this massive mission you're on where you make it a resolution for the new year and it's this task and another list on your list of tasks to do, you could do it in simple five minutes. Just step outside and turn your face towards the sun or step outside and look at the birds or take five minutes and go take a bath. Or if you take five minute baths, that is in like Himalayan pink rock salt or do alternate nostril breathing. You know, I don't mean like it's a massive task to engage in self care, but the more that you recognize first, And it's not the thing only about the oxygen masks. There's actual mechanics to the subtle energy system that when you follow some of these more cliched social media memes, like take care of yourself first, put the oxygen mask on you first. There's actual release, like I just gave an example of that aids you in reaching your human potential more easily. Oh, of course. I mean, you can see it by the way you referred to it. I can feel it actually um, in the senses, especially with the chakras. You know, I think when people get into that energy work, they have a higher level of probability of reaching human potential because it is a mind, body, spirit work. It isn't just, you know, hey, well, let's leave the body out of it if I just do this spiritual work by itself. No, it's a combination of the three. And, you know, your students speak up and we've got here, get the book and jumpstart your rebirth. So we're going to encourage everybody to go up to Amazon and we'll have a link to the book as well. But I had one question for you on this abundance and it came from part yeah. of the book. Abundance for all concept. Um, what is it that you're referring to and how do we bring this abundance energy? I want to highlight the word energy into the fray obviously you've talked about the chakras you've talked about how we're moving this energy how about abundance energy so there are so many on so greg i never expected to be working with money when i came back from asia i thought i'd be working with spiritual awakening and um health holistic health and wellness and then it was 2010 and there were so many people reeling from the market crash over here because I was tucked away in Asia, I had moved there in part to increase my abundance. And indeed I did by 60%, my net income and paid off my student loans and then came back here and going to the workshops, I couldn't get through to people about other stuff because their primary concern was fear around not having enough money. So I became unexpectedly, ridiculously proficient in money blocks. So one of the things that I see people doing is while they'll plead in prayer form, for example, for more money, none of their system is aligned with actually receiving money. Mm -hmm. So for example, I could have a client who knows that she has a wealthy patron that she could go to for money. And because she's afraid, because whenever she would go to her dad for money growing up, her dad would say no. 
or make it painful for her to address the authority figure. So he would humiliate her while granting her the money. That conditioning we've worked on. So now she has the mindfulness as she goes to approach a wealthy patron for money that the possibility of the trigger of asking a male authority, because this guy's a senator, for money is inappropriate and she will get humiliated. So she hasn't taken action. She's delayed the action of going to this possible patron. Right. So there's all of these, all of um, so many beliefs that people have around money. Even like if I'm spiritual, I'm not supposed to have a lot of money because then I become less close to God. That tends to be both a minimalistic perspective, like on how to people who want to protect the earth, they don't feel like if they have more money, then they're being a glutton. And it's also right. a church teaching too, right? Like all the monks in monasteries, you know, the vows of austerity, the vows of poverty. I have been clearing off the face of this earth for so long because I perceive that Jesus has come off the cross, so to speak, in 2013. I had this understanding of Jesus has come off the cross. It just came into my guidance standing on the stars one night as I do every night. And I was like, what does that mean? I don't understand. That took like a month to integrate that. And there's no more self-sacrifice or martyrdom. I think, you know what, not to interrupt you, but it's real easy. There's a real, there's a simple, it's, there used to be a Bible saying money is the root of all evil, but that's not the saying. The saying is the love of money is the root of all evil. In other words, your abundance consciousness isn't about the fact that you get the money. It's the fact that you're so in love with getting the money. You're, is, is, it, that's my point. I mean, that's an old biblical saying, obviously, right? But people take it out of context. Money isn't the root of all evil. It's the fact that you're cherishing the money. The money is a vehicle to help all kinds of people. That's what I do with my nonprofit. I take the money I get from you guys and I give it to people who are in need. So the, the, that's my point is it's how you choose to use it, right? Well, so you're talking, I, I can hear the years of self-realization and meditation. You're talking about it's the mental approach. It's the projection onto Correct. the money. I'm also talking about too. But I got to respond to that because that echoes in so many people in the collective consciousness. When I say I've been clearing... Um, lack mentality off the face of the planet. I mean, I used to invest money to do daily um, group blessings on cleaning money of all the projections back like around 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, when I first came back to the States, I would pay money to help clean. I would pay money to help clean money of the collective projections around it so that it just became neutralized. And one of the echoes I hear when working with groups of people or individuals so much of the time is what you just said. Money is the root of all evil. It's still echoing. And so I'm still doing clearings on that collectively. And then when each person or each group comes to get clearings for themselves, I'm able to reach the collective because I bring that in as a part of the verbal clearing I'm doing always. My work is always collectively geared. Remember, I wanted to change the world with um, protecting the environment. And now I'm doing it one consciousness at a time and we're getting there right? We're reaching thresholds. So what I'm saying though about abundance specifically is that all of those projections onto money pushes money away. Like if you think of Qigong right. and energy flows, like I see people not take action. Like I was giving an example of my client. So it's in a way to deflecting prosperity that they know is there. That belief energy, 
that I just said is what propels the money away. So in other words, if there's a, if you hold on to this belief so strong that I just said that money is the root of all evil, right? Well, you're probably going to move money away. But if you hold on to the belief that it's the love of money, meaning I'm doing this to hoard it or keep it or whatever it is, versus nourish it, nourish it and be a good steward of it and give it away, there's a big difference. And but so Greg, you, you, do, you do a lot of work in that area, right? But hold on, I want to clarify because I, I, I'm, yes, I do do a lot of work in this area. So that's why I'm, I'm doing this clarification right now. I feel like it's still okay to love money. In fact, I see more often than not people rejecting money out of that sense of it's not okay for me to love money. It's almost like, think of it as a relationship. That's what I meant by, I was cleaning money of all those projections. And let's uh, say you're looking to get, you get it, a new, a new um, romantic partner, a new, uh, or you want to get married or whatever. Think of the dance of rejection. If you chase after somebody, they get horrified and they typically run away. But if you pull back, what, what happens? That person comes to you typically, right? Money is the same way. So if we're rejecting money and we're saying like, you can't possibly love me, it's bad for me to love you, then money doesn't flow it isn't invited into your field yeah maybe i said it wrong but i think it's like the the test that people have in this lifetime is of power and money um many people get that test they give an abundance amount of money and uh, we've seen it just happen here recently um and what is the test about how you use it that's more importantly what i meant by it not the fact that the love was killing it um, exactly, exactly. So Allison, I want you to leave our listeners with right. some sound advice, uh, Dr. Allison, for oh, 2021. Okay. You know, we've come through this darkness, we're moving into light, uh, we need to let go. And what advice would you ask them to embrace as we wrap up this podcast? What, what would you like to tell them? Obviously, they can go to your website, and they can watch these videos, they can get your book. They can get on that course that uh, that uh, January twenty eighth, which we'll put a link to. Um, what do you what What would you like from to leave with? If you were to kind of give us a two minute summary of everything. So knowing your audience, it's not the audience that looks for quick fixes as much. So I'm not going to go there. I feel like the more that you can give yourself the space in your life to see just how dominantly you live from your intellectual mind so that you with your big heart that I know you have, that wasn't to imply you don't have a heart, but our society has been valuing the intellect over the heart for how many centuries? And look at what COVID's done for people with their closeness to their families and their hearts. It's a lot of grief, yes, but as we move into the times that are coming, the new paradigm, the mind is in the intellect is not the best tool. And when you feel like you know something, don't hold on to that let yourself continue to remain like a blossoming sunflower looking for the light. These are such brand new times and we're creating them together. And the more that we're consciously clearing the unconsciousness and the subconscious, so we have more consciousness or chi freed up 
with which to actually make new choices, the higher of an existence we'll create together. And it, and that couldn't have been said any better because it's about yeah. uh, several different things, but one is letting go what you think you know is so important. Um, that ego mind being attached to that. Um, you, you finding that energy with inside yourself that um, allows you to reach your highest human potential through those chakras that you were talking about. And I think I want to invite from our listeners, number one, go get this book, uh, The Dragon Master. And I want you to say this, Creatrix. <laughs> Is that correct? You got it. The Dragon Master Creatrix. Creatrix, because that's a new word. Um, conversations with a female spiritual teacher uh, for these new times. And new times it is. And it'll constantly <laughs> be new times. But really, Allison, Dr. Allison, it's been a pleasure having you on. I appreciate you spending the time with our listeners, uh, giving them some insight into what it is that you do, why you do it, and why you're so passionate about it. Thanks for being on Inside Personal Growth. Namaste to you and you. to all of the people that you've been, the lives you've touched as well. I want to thank you for all the work that you've done. Thank you for saying that. That's like mana. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for seeing it and perceiving it, Greg. Thank you so much.